You're listening to the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast with Matt and Rich. Welcome back to episode 50 of Desert Moon Hockey Podcast. This is just a little bit of an emergency podcast, as you will. We uh, said in the previous one that we were going to come back after the draft and discuss all the crazy stuff and news that was going to come out in that four-year, or four-year, four-month period. And uh, man, has it been a roller coaster for Coyotes fans in that four months. Holy crap. Do you want to lead us off with one of the topics? <laughs> like, oh, we- where where do you start? I, I guess yeah. let's start with, with Chickering because we could get over that one pretty quickly. The Jacob Chickering yep. trade happens. It was definitely nowhere near the value any of us thought. And my first reaction was, I remember it being a form of disgust. And I kind of had to bite my tongue for a little bit to actually process it before I talked about it. Yeah. And uh, look, With how many injuries he had, with the fact that they were not going to be stupid enough to use a retainment slot on a player that had a couple years left on his deal, I kind of feel like the Coyotes flew a little too close to the sun, but considering we actually now have some context on what that L.A. deal was, including we were going to get Peterson's contract and not even any extra compensation for that, this was the best deal. We we don't take on anything. Yeah. They get Daniil Boot out of it at, at 12th overall. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i I'm stepping back from the ledge because after drafts the first round, I was like, who and who? <laughs> but after doing <laughs> some more research, I'm, I'm a little bit more cautiously optimistic. I'm still cautious, but I'm a little bit more cautious, cautiously optimistic. optimistic. This wasn't like 2015 when uh, the Boston Bruins had three picks at – you know, was it 14, 15, 16 or whatever it was. And two of them were are completely off the board players. So we'll, uh, we'll be careful. We'll be cautious. I think that we'll get into the, the draft talk a little bit quicker or a little bit, a little bit further down, but the Chikrin trade was something that needed to happen. It's a player that ultimately, like you said, is, Injury prone. Um, I don't think anybody can deny that, especially considering he got injured after he was traded to Ottawa. Yep. yep. It's not just not just the Coyotes' uh, medical department, like we were speculating, of why he gets injured so much. You know, he he's an injury prone player. It's just the way he plays. He plays that game that you know puts you right on that edge of injury, and uh, ultimately, it is what it is. And uh, so my, my little precious board here for you audio listeners that say don't trade Jacob Chikorin, uh, I can officially rip those papers off because luckily I made a, uh, you know, a pseudo boards because I knew that the trade was probably inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it what a crazy, crazy return. I, I not not amazing, not terrible. You know, you were hoping that Ottawa was going to fall. The wheels were going to fall off even further and you could get something even higher. Uh, Gamble didn't end up working. It wasn't terrible. 12 is is fine. But uh, yeah, overall, okay. It was an okay trade. Yeah. Disappointing at the time, but look, it needed to happen. And it it kind of is is what it is. I I feel like, like I said, they probably did fly a little too close to the sun. And that's, you got to take what the best available offer is and, and move on from from what was going on here. Yep. Yep. I agree. Okay, so let's move into the next thing, which is uh, <laughs> uh, the Tempe Entertainment District. Um, oh, we're yeah. jumping in. I thought we were going to talk about how how they 
shot themselves in the foot with Connor Bedard, or, or are we finally fully past that? We've oh, had our, we, our therapy sessions. We're good. I think we all <laughs> acknowledge that that we were never getting Connor Bedard in the first place, and even if we would have finished last, we wouldn't have got him anyways. Because oh, we would have got went, Fantilli or or Leo Carrollson, which are two really good players. That is true. That is true. <laughs> I will I will acknowledge that. But ultimately, the way it shook out, I'm not too upset. Like the if if. Who we drafted pans out, getting a D man and a big big winger. I'm happy with that. You know, it no, it is not Leo Carlson. No, it is not Am Fantilli because Am Fantilli is like six five as well, and he plays center. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not those two guys, but you know, ultimately, it is what it is. And uh, they tried real hard at the end of the season to uh, tank for Bedard losing. I think it was like twelve out of the last fourteen games of the season. So. But they the gave it their best. Killed them. Yeah, that they gave it their best shot. But them. yeah, the the single hand one man army effort of Clayton Keller during that kind of middle late part of the season, just absolutely trucking through teams, uh, really really hindered their ability to to draft Connor Bedard. Don't forget Jackery McBain looking like a twenty goal scorer for like that, a yep. month. Like yep. that was that was one of those like wild roller coasters. Me and you were so high on him and Nate Smith, and then yep. Nate Smith doesn't even make the team. McBain accepts that bottom six role. And I'm like, okay, it is what it is. Like he accepted that he's embracing it. Then he got the chance later on. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna get right around 15. Then it just stopped. It, it yep. just abruptly stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once uh once Boogie was traded to uh, the Oilers, uh, he got a bigger opportunity to play down the center, and he he. I thought he looked pretty good. I think that he could definitely fit between Kraus and Michelli and and do a uh, a serviceable job as a uh, as a young, big physical centerman that uh, the Coyotes have not had probably in forever. What yeah, like Mark the last Hansel? big guy? Yeah, last big guy was Hands, but you know, unfortunately, the the sad truth is Hands didn't last too long because of all the the cross checks to the back. Because it was a like he era. was physical, he got mm-hmm. in the dirty areas, he got in the front of the net. But the problem yep. was he gets smacked in the back, and either he wouldn't stand up for himself or his teammates wouldn't. And it's fifty yep. fifty. You got to stand up for yourself, but also if you know your teammates injury prone, you got to send someone out there. Yep. So it, it's it's fifty fifty. It's it's both ways. But yep. it just it developed horrible back injuries for him. I feel bad for the guy because he if he would have peaked, he probably could have could have tickled thirty goals. Like he probably. was really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, when when Hans was in his prime, he was he was an awesome player. I loved Hans as well. Um, that was a great right. core. Hans, Bodker. Yeah, I know you're not the biggest fan of Mueller or Turris, but we still had some decent younger players there, and they developed it out with like you had McCulloch, you had Ray Whitney come in to help develop the rest of the core. That's about to say. That was a great team. Yeah, we, <laughs> they when they went to the uh, the Western Conference Finals, your line was was Hansel Ver, Verbe and. Uh, and, and the Whitney. wizard. Oh my god, yeah. those passes were crisp. I missed that. that I missed a, that. That was a wild We're reminiscing. Yeah. Reminiscing here on Desert Boom. But okay, we're okay. Booming. We'll move on okay. to the Ted. All right. We'll 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 stop reminiscing right now. All right. So Ted, Tempe Entertainment District, what we expected to be a slam dunk victory. Why would anybody vote this down? You're literally getting a free arena on top of a literal landfill that is threatening your water system. Or your water table, I should say, not your water system. Obviously, your pipes can be enclosed, but your water table. Uh, if you know anything about wells, uh, water table kind of important. Yeah, that uh, that didn't work out, did it, Matt? 
A I, resounding I, no came. I have screamed for so long about this. I, I don't know if you've watched any of the stuff that I was doing around the time, just ranting, essentially. I want to hear your detailed thoughts on this, and I'll give minor commentary, because I think my position is pretty well known. But, like, just the abject failure, only spending reported 250... Look, if this would have gone through, Morello would have made billions, all right? You're, this should have been bought and paid for. The, the narrative that it was David versus Goliath, it actually should have been bought and paid for. There should have been millions put behind this on the Coyote side. But that... I, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so... Obviously, the vote is resounding no at 56% no, which is a dominating vote. It's pretty much a landslide victory, um, mm -hmm. if you know anything about politics. Uh, yeah, the Coyotes spent $250,000 on what should have been millions of dollars, and they lost to a master manipulator, or a... What was what was her title? She... I don't remember her. I don't even remember her name. Uh, and it wasn't the lady who was in office for Tempe. It was the other girl. She John Penick Sacker, who has, yeah. as Craig Morgan said, a degree in rhetoric. Yeah, a degree in rhetoric, which essentially means professional liar. Uh, and she, she, she masterfully crafted all the lies to manipulate a bunch of old people into essentially going out and voting no on this that had no clue about how this deal even worked and literally there were interviews with old people that said I voted no because I don't want them taking my taxes yeah oh, um, I, 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 that boiled my blood I, I, I'm sorry I, I have to just chip in for like 10 seconds here <laughs> yeah, that cool. boiled my blood because I'm like he's like oh I wouldn't go there so I don't want my tax dollars literally you just said it right there you wouldn't go there so your tax dollars wouldn't go there like yeah, you I literally know. said I get what? it. I, look, look, people that have been voting age for like 40 plus years, I get it. All right, older people tend to be taken advantage of by politicians. I'm not pro-politician by any by any regard, but it's like, I, I get it. You, you want to protect yourselves. But people that have been exposed to politics for 40 plus years and you're still this stupid, I cannot <laughs> feel bad for you or respect you. I, 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 I'm sorry. All right, I know I'm being harsh. I know this is a harsh thing to say, but you're an idiot. And and you're the exact kind of the kind of people that would move in to a retirement home directly behind a bar and then complain the bar has concerts. Yeah. Oh my god. And the people at Tempe residents know what I'm talking about. But my god, it just it. it yeah. And sorry, I don't. Sorry. I, I don't blame. I don't blame all Tempe residents. Uh, ultimately, they just didn't show up. That's the sad yeah. part, and that's not their fault because you should know that if you're the Coyotes, that the younger generation don't show up to votes, especially a non-electoral vote. Uh, which was this? This was just a um, uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the word, but essentially a, a sub vote. Yeah, special yeah. election. Yeah, um, yeah. So you should have known that, and you should have absolutely been out there canvassing immediately to those older generation people to tell them, you know, face to face, we are not spending any of your tax money on this, and they failed to do so. They let the opposition get out there before them. And the, the older generation showed up because they always do. The older generation have nothing better to do aside from going and dropping off votes. So you absolutely should have gone face to face with, to these these people and voted. And also or, and, like and got, gotten them to vote for you. The the biggest bad sign. And this is when I started. Like I started thinking about it because they were saying, oh, it's supposed to be a record turnout. And I was like, oh, that's a good thing. And then I actually like was thinking about it. And the day of the election, I had that pit in my stomach. 
look at the most recent, and we're not going to get political here, but I'm just, it's an example. Look at the most recent presidential election, but was yeah. one of the biggest hot-button issues, women's yeah. autonomy. All right? Who went out to vote in record numbers? Women. Because yep. people, when they're angry, they will leave comments. They will they will vote you know vote you down. They will go and drop off votes. They will make their voices heard. Yep. So the, the bigger the bigger than usual turnout is generally a bad sign because yep. it usually means either fear mongering or there actually is something on the line or at least the perception. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And you know, there's a good saying. You know, who who is the most voted president in U.S. history? Donald Trump in 2020, who's the now most voted president in U.S. history? Joseph Biden. <laughs> they both had record turnout on votes. And I don't care about your whole nonsense about who, if the voting was true or not. The turnout was record. Both of them received massive votes. Both of them received record votes. and But that's the way it is when it's a very polarizing election. And... Mm-hmm. uh you know, it's the same thing with the Coyotes. Uh, ultimately, that's just what it came down to is you failed to address that. And there is some th- some things to note. I, I, I don't want to make excuses for the loss, but there is some things to note, which is that if you didn't know who funded the opposition, because the opposition was funded almost $2 million comparatively to the 20, 250K that the Coyotes put in, uh, the you know, that's outspent almost t- uh, 10 to 1, which is pretty significant. Um, the opposition was funded by a lot of unions based in California who didn't get to work on this project because the Coyotes refused to use Californian union labor in order to use Arizona union labor. That is also, wait, wild. Wait. A- AZ Republic said that the, the no campaign only spent 30000 What are oh, you talking right. about, Richie? It's only, even though I, I love Craig's response to that, like the next day, he's like, that is bullshit. If you, if you yeah. think that that is true. Yeah. Literally, I don't know if you saw, but um, the Dawn girl literally put like $25,000 of her own money into this, this thing. Like that, that there's no way that 30,000 is the number. She, mm-hmm. and I'm curious, I, if anyone's a tax expert, like, I don't know why people don't go audit that because that feels like tax evasion to me. If you take $25,000 of your charitable donation of your income, put it into your, uh, your non-taxable company in the no vote Tempe first, and then you pay yourself that money through Tempe first to your, your wage for the work that you're doing. As oh, remember, Tempe first. She, none of them were paid. Remember, they weren't paid shills. That's what she told mm-hmm. us to our faces in that Tempe debate. They weren't paid shills. It's almost yeah. like literally the no campaign was dishonest from the start in every single aspect. Mm-hmm. And the people like, and I get it. Look, the, the, the Coyotes, it has the blame has to also go on them. They should have actually hired political experts. Whoever the hell did their polling should yeah. never do polling again. Well, ever. So- so the fun, the funny part is the person who did the polling was somebody who did polling in the previous election in Tempe and got success in Tempe. So it wasn't just a nobody poller, um, or well, camp, you know, organizer. It that's who I'd say, not poller. It's an organizer. The organizer had success in Tempe, but when you see somebody rolling in the mud, unfortunately, you have to roll in the mud too. That's just the 
That's just the reality of politics. Unfortunately, if somebody rolls in the mud, you have to roll in the mud back. You have to show everybody these people are paid shills from Californian union laborers who want to take jobs away from Arizonans and just roll right in the mud back. But they didn't. They wanted to take the high road. They wanted to look good because the last time they rolled in the mud, it it backfired pretty hard in Glendale. So... I understand why they didn't want to, but in the terms of an actual political canvassing operation, you have to roll in the mud as well back when somebody starts starts doing it. Literally. And again, we're not getting political on this channel, but you brought up the last two presidential elections. Even the moderates, we all can accept the last two have been some of the most highly contentious like like yep. low ball kind of like election cycles like that we've ever seen. That's yep. just how modern politics is. And it's a farce. But you know what? If you wanted to win this, I hate to say this because I, I appreciated the honest approach that the, the yes campaign had. Yeah. It wasn't effective. And unfortunately, nope. they probably should have done what you said, rolled in the mud. I just like I pretty much you should have made me not respect you because apparently I, I'm a little too moderate for a lot for a lot of people that vote nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the way that goes. Uh, I, I will, I will note that you, uh, you released a video on our channel where you called out the coyotes for not engaging quickly enough into, mm-hmm. uh, this political campaign. So I will give you your pats on the head for that because, uh, clearly, uh, they didn't, they didn't engage quick enough. Uh, which is pretty sad, but it is what it is. I'm sure they'll figure it out and find somewhere else to lo- put a location. But as I was texting you when they, uh, when the no went in, um, this was the location. This was the best location. This was the right location. This was uh, a location that was going to get Alex Morello tax breaks, which is fantastic for him. And ultimately, they flubbed it. They flubbed it, and I guess that's just the Coyote way. When we talk about being Coyote strong, uh, being Coyote <laughs> strong is consistently flubbing everything you do. Because holy crap! And it's like, like, and I, I do want to talk about the arena next, but I just, I get it, I understand it. The second you engage with with Tempe with the actual RFP, yes, it made perfect sense to dedicate everything to Tempe. Perfect sense. Logical, it was the best location. However, there should have been a couple eggs in different baskets as a backup because when Gutierrez with a straight face 24 hours within 24 hours of the no vote said we have no plan B to Greg Wazinski of ESPN said that plainly. One yeah. of the he should have been fired. All right. And yes, yes, he's doing the work now. I have given him his proper credit, but we're talking about this flub before. He should have mm-hmm. been fired there because we all know. Like at on on after the no, Craig Morgan was approached by someone with the Salt River Pima Maricopa Indian community and asked, "Does this mean that talks will pick back up with us?" Craig didn't have an answer, obviously, but literally there were talks before. There, they are even said yeah. we are re-engaging with, and of course they're looking at new locations as well. But they already had conversations. I get it. I get the context. The we have no plan B means there is nothing that is ready to sign and deliver right now. I get that you are being honest, but you're also being an idiot by saying we had, like no, it should be we're regrouping because there are we had our eye on a, on a couple other things, and that should have been the comment. It yeah. shouldn't have been there is no plan B. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a really bad speak, and and I can't I can't be like oh well he misspoke up. Uh, 
Gutierrez is a professional lawyer. He's a man who has been a businessman for many years, who has been a CEO for many years. You know you can't say that. That's not a smart thing to say. You say, well, we'll reassess our options, and you you, you just lie through your teeth because ultimately that's what you do as a businessman. You have to keep the ship on course, and if you tell the you tell the people on board that we're heading towards a rock, the people are going to start jumping ship because they're panic. You know, you, uh-huh. you can't you can't let the panic set in as the leader of this organization. And you know, he's he's since started to correct it, but I do agree, you know, that was a big miss and you know, the the business lives by the head and it dies by the head. And when you fail something, you end up getting your head cut off. And I'm I'm surprised, you know, if he didn't have such a good connection with Morello and they weren't such good friends, probably would have been fired after that no vote. Um, so he's he's got a lot of a lot to make up from from that that goof up. And and, and like Craig, you know, said I think he said it on PHNX. Uh, he's like, you know, when the no vote came, it felt like someone died in there. And I get mm-hmm. it. I do acknowledge, and I've acknowledged it before, but this is just for the sake of this this podcast. That yeah, there there had to have been that element of shock because going into it, their internal polling said they're going to win by ten plus points. All right, the, the the idiots that were like, oh, the Coyotes are worried they're going to lose. Why would you have a party the night of? Why would you yeah. schedule a press conference for the next day, which was canceled by the way? But why would you schedule a press conference for the next day if you thought you were going to lose? That was yeah. idiotic because they were going door to door. That's the proper way to campaign when you're trying to show yeah. a community you want to be there. It was too little, too late. It it was. That's what it was. Too little, too late. But they were still doing the right things they needed to. It was absolute bullshit that they were like, oh, you know, they think they're going to lose. No, they didn't think that. They were way overconfident. If yeah. anything, if, their if actions you, are consistent with that. Yeah. If if you if you think you're going to lose, you don't spend thousands of dollars reserving out a venue for your fans to come watch the results. That's just. Mm-hmm. If you think you are going to lose, you're not going to do that. If you think you are going to lose by ten points, like they did. You're not going to do that. Um, so I, I, yeah, I completely disagree with that. It was just an initiative, and if you didn't notice, all of the Coyote staff were out there. You know, not just not just Morello, not just Bill Armstrong. It was everybody. All the front office was out there canvassing, trying to to get this to go through. And as a good leader, you want to be out there with your your fellow staff members, trying to do the same thing in canvas. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things Gutierrez did. I don't think Marlowe was there, but Gutierrez, Gutierrez was among them. And that's one yeah. of the things you should be doing, yeah. but too little, too late. And and we we we're kind of all pissed off about that. But I want to shift focus because I I know um, y- you are a lot smarter at this stuff than I am. I, I'm just gonna be blunt. You're a lot smarter at this stuff than I am. I've been talking a lot on, on my other show and on my channel about you know the potential locations, trying to keep up to date as much as possible. Sure. Well, Let's go over some of these potential arena options. Cause I think I, I love how Gutierrez used the platform of day one of the draft to address the national media and say, yeah, we're looking at multiple sites in the greater Phoenix area in the yeah. East Valley specifically. And he even said, I don't, I don't know why he said Gilbert that, that had to have been a, a, a blow because Gilbert is too far. It's great. It's a great city. I used to live there with my dad years and years ago. It's great. It's just too far. I mean, Craig Morgan would love it, but it wouldn't be great for us. He said Scottsdale, Mesa, the 101 corridor, and then Gilbert or Chandler Gilbert for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely hope it's not Gilbert. Um, no offense to the Gilbertians. I hope I'm saying that. Gilbertians. Gilbertarians. 
Gilbertarians. <laughs> the the Gilbert people, um, it's too far. That's that's way too far. It, it's got to be centrally located. It's got to be close to Scottsdale. I'm sorry, but that's where the money is. We all know this. I don't live in Scottsdale, but I know where the money is in Arizona and in Phoenix Metropolitan. It's in Scottsdale. I'm and further west in the Gila River Arena, and I still accept fully the money's in Scottsdale. Yeah. <laughs> so we, it, we have to cater towards that area. That's just the truth. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's, that is the truth. I know the truth hurts, but we have to cater in that area. And ultimately, I don't know how they're going to do it. Because when you look at all the revenue sources that they will lose by going on to native reservation land, I don't know if they're willing to do that. Um, the amount of just revenue lost, just sheer revenue loss by going onto native land is going to be significant. And what happens when the coyotes suck, because it ebbs and flows, and it, mm-hmm. the coyotes have... Don't don't pretend just because we got a few players at free agency that we uh we're going to win the Stanley Cup now. Uh, we we definitely know the fans don't show up unless there's success. That's just mm-hmm. the truth. That's everything in in Arizona. Look yep, at the D backs and how well they're yep. how well they're doing right now because they're you know twenty seven wins above five hundred. Um, <laughs> yeah. So ultimately there has to be other revenue sources or else this will fail in the long term uh just mm-hmm. like it did in Glendale that is just the, just the truth and i don't see native reservation land being able to suffice into picking up those losses while the coyotes are not good um i know that morello is a businessman i know that he has multiple other revenue streams outside of the the coyotes you got to remember the coyotes are not some foundation that is you know being able to you know absorb those losses because of the long-term success they've had over the decades that's it's not just the way it works you know the florida panthers lose a ton of money but they also spend zero in their building their building they literally play in rent free uh and the coyotes don't have that luxury so ultimately i don't think native land is going to work uh, I think the location would work. Location is great. If you put it right in between that that uh, 101 to 202 area, right next to Tempe, that's a no-brainer slam dunk for location. But when we're talking about revenue sources, I don't think it I, works. I think that, because here, here's the thing, is, and I don't know if you got the update yet, so I'll just, for the sake of it, of it they're currently uh, in, exclusive, in exclusive negotiations with, uh, the lessee for a 65-acre plot of land. It's a little further south than the that 85-acre plot of land by Arizona Boardwalk. Uh, yeah. So it's a little bit further south than that. Great location, right around you know Scottsdale. It's that's perfect. Yep. The the entertainment district because it would still be a district. I think the arena would be fine. I think you'd probably get more shows than Glendale does, and and you wouldn't really you wouldn't really suck too much away from downtown, but you would take away from some of the ones that would want to go to Glendale, and you'd still have some money to be made right there. So I think that's fine, but the vast majority of the, of the money does not come from the arena itself. That's when we talk about the whole economic impacts. That's why arenas are seen as bad investments, because you need to have an entire district to prop it up whenever there aren't events. Yep. It would still have, likely, a hotel or two. It would pro- might still have the theater, might not, because they kind of confirm they're going to keep as much of the, of the TED design as possible, which is smart. You don't want to have to go back to the drawing board. That's going to take an extra six months or whatever. And it's already designed. You already paid the architect. You might as well use it. 
You yeah, might keep the theater, you might keep the, the practice arena. Good architect. You're going to have access to higher-end shopping than the Fiesta Mall location could support. And the thing is, Mesa, half of it's great, half of it's a little on, a little bit on the... Uh, on the, it's basically a, a West Valley territory. city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. But the, the part of Mesa Fiesta Mall, it could really use that uptick, but it wouldn't be able to support the kind of high end shopping. So they'd probably have to do like in uh, what, like a business district type thing to try to help offset it. I don't know yeah. how well that would work. It might work. It might not. For it, Reserve it Land, they wouldn't do that. It would just be the, the district, have some bars, have some restaurants, some shopping. But how much realistically is that going to take away from the Scottsdale shopping center essentially across the street? Yep. Because how how many people and are going town. to be going there specifically? Yeah, and Old Town, Old yep. Town, Scottsdale Mall, Old Town, uh, even Tempe Marketplace, a little bit up the road. You have plenty of places to shop. So how much of that money would be redistributed to make this profitable? Yeah, it. it, it I don't. I don't see it working. I. Uh, the Fiesta, the Fiesta Mall is interesting just because you can put residential on that land, but there's mm-hmm. not a lot of land. If you look, it, it's just not the acreage that they were looking at prior at 40 acres at the TED. And I think well, the it was Fiesta technically Mall's- 80 acreage footprint, but doesn't that also count the entire outline that has like Dutch Bros and all that built on the one street I, maybe and stuff I- tucked in behind here? Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought I looked at the numbers and it was like 20 acres or something, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, regardless with the high end shopping, that is a concern because you're not going to get people going to Gucci in Mesa comparative to people in Scottsdale that want to go to Gucci in Scottsdale. That's just nobody's Mm -hmm. nobody from Scottsdale is going to drive their money out to Mesa to generate that. That's I'm, I'm sorry. That's just the truth. So that's. That's the hard part. And ultimately, like I said, the best location is the location that they can't build on with the native land. Um, I, I I pointed out to you, I don't know if they'll be able to do that, but the uh, location that was still owned by ASU uh, in Tempe. Oh, the I'd one that they were supposed to originally build on? Yeah. I, be- I was actually asking a little bit about that. I can't say who I was talking to, but it's no one important. It's no one big. This is not a breaking. I have insider information. I'm just kind of asking about it. Like, hey, theoretically, doesn't ASU still own this? Apparently, that's not owned by ASU anymore. It's owned by uh, what? What the hell is it? It's like an institution. Yeah, that- yeah. I sent you the link of the land location. It was is owned by the institution, but it was still work. They still work in conjunction with ASU. So I'm like, the, the- if if you're ASU and you're like, yo, I want a new basketball stadium and you've been sitting on this land, give it back to me. I will pay you for it. Like, But even like then, now, uh, the, the difference between the last Coyotes ASU deal and this potential one, if they went that route, if, a, if they leveraged their relationship with ASU and they wanted their basketball stadium, uh, Morello has money to actually put into it, whereas essentially the original design was you get your 16,000 seat arena and then mullet arena. What is now mullet arena is essentially just like an annex to it off to the side. That's mainly the coyotes practice arena. And I guess ASU can play there. And they wanted ASU to front all this cost yeah. that it wouldn't have been worth it. It was stupid. Yeah. And ASU got a much better deal building mullet. And I love that building. That's a great building yeah. and it's right there. They keep full control of it. But uh, like I said, I forget what the institution is, or it's a, a state agency that technically owns it. If ASU wanted it back, the Coyotes could leverage a relationship with them. It's a pretty decent par- parcel of land. You could probably get something done. I'm just not sure if that's one of the options they're exploring. Yeah, I 
I would say in my personal heart for location, that would be best. Mm-hmm. I think that is yeah. the best location. You stay in Tempe. You're even closer to downtown Tempe uh, with that location. You're within walking distance of of all the, the bar area and stuff like that. But what about the, the reserve land that I think that's where the soccer stadium used to be or across yeah. the street, the County islands where, uh, I Oceanside is. Yeah. Like, so, I know there's a lot more of the weird stuff I got to do, but those would still be excellent locations. Yeah. So I think Oceanside was connected with not connected, but the, the plot of land was next to big surf and big surf got demoed. If you didn't know, mm-hmm. De- big surf is done. Um, you know, I don't know if people are already building in there, but I would be curious if you could like conjoin those two plots of land and put something there. But ultimately, I think that there's already building going on on Big Surf, so it's kind of you can't do that option. But that would be interesting. I just don't know. I mean, if you could ask them and throw a big number at them. I mean, you yeah. could, but yeah, is it going to yeah. be worth it? Yeah, like you can't just throw around stupid money without a plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, then. It, Continue. Oh, good. I was going to say, uh, is there was, anything else you wanted to talk about with this? Uh, arena uh, with the arena, I just pretty much wanted to. Uh, I, I want to talk about the Ishbia question. I I, I want to know if you know much more about this anyway. I, I mm-hmm. did. I, I heard a couple small things, but apparently there's no truth to it, so I'm not really going to mention it. Just saying, hey, I heard a thing, and apparently it's not true. But the only option, people keep saying, well, they just go back down downtown. They could under one condition, and yep. and it was good work by PHNX on this. Uh, PHNX Suns worked with Craig Morgan and they got a quote through a spokesperson. Ishbia confirmed his interest if the team went up for sale. Yep. So it's exclusively if the team is for sale, he's interested in buying them. That was mm-hmm. not a I will buy them no matter what. That is not a uh, my mind will never change. That that just means he's interested. But if the number's too high, if the the deal is this or that, he doesn't like that. He can walk away. Is yep. Ishbia? a realistic option at this point? Or do you think that is literally the way I feel about it? It's if Morello can't get anything done, that's a call the NHL will make before they have to force a relocation. Uh, Yeah, I would say, I'd say either when Morello puts his hands up and says, I tried, I can't do this. Or if they continue to flub around and not get this land figured out, um, Mm -hmm. I think that you're right. I think that January 1st, if they go, yeah, we've been sitting on our thumbs for this whole time and we, we haven't been able to get anything done, I wouldn't be surprised if the ownership of the NHL, all the owners are like, all right, you need to sell the Ishbia then and we, we're, we're kicking you out because they can do that. They can remove people from their organizations. Uh, that's literally in the your right contract Yep. But that, remember when uh, Moyes tried to file bankruptcy and then sell the ball silly and the NHL literally took the team from him? It, yep. it, they can do it. And yep. the fact that people have, have, with a straight face, told me, oh, no, they would much rather just sell sell to Salt Lake City or sell to Houston and get rid yeah. of them. First off, Houston, apparently that owner actually just wants a, a tenant so he can make a lot of money off of them. And he, or he'd want a, an expansion team. He doesn't really want the Coyotes for that price. Salt Lake City's even smaller, and they barely support the Grizzlies of the ECHL. I I don't see Salt yeah. Lake as an actual viable option. It's like, oh, they'd rather just sell to Salt Lake or Hartford. I'm like, uh, Hartford has its own problems. Like the building's not even up to code. But yeah. why, if you fought this hard, the league wants it? Yes, Gary Bettman does. Gary Bettman's influential. He has put in a lot of work to keep this team here, and I'm grateful to him. But if the other 30, 30, well, 29, then 30, and 31 owners 
didn't also want this team here, they would have voted supermajority to get rid of them years ago. So that I find it hard to believe code. that you would have that you'd force a sale out when you have a realistic buyer in yep. the in the state here. It doesn't make sense because the second the Ishbia sale happened, it, it, you know, theoretically, any and all instability is gone. Yep. They retrofit Footprint Center. Maybe you played the one last year at Mullet. Maybe. So hot, hot take, Ray, for this hot take here. I'm going to cut, cut you off real quick. Ishbia, this would be fantastic for him because you're spending, um, I don't know how much Alex put in, but let's say, because I think the valuation of the the Coyotes is only like maybe 300 million, I want to say. It's like three or 400 million. I think he million. spent 380, yeah. so it might be well, like 500. Well, well no, no, no. Yeah. So that's the valuation of it. I, I think that because there's a lot of debt that the Coyotes are holding on to, um, mm-hmm. I think he only spent like maybe two or like 100 or 200 million in actual stock in order to buy the 51%. Um, Ishbia, all he has to do is spend that, let's say, 100 or 200 million on the the 51% stock. And all of a sudden, now Ishbia has two teams in a dated building that he has all the leverage to because he said previously that he wants a new building. You know, that's just the truth. And remember, Ishbia was in after the renovations of the Footprint Center. So Uh it's not like, oh, I want a new building, footprint center renovation. Okay, we're all good now. No, he said this after the renovation. He's like, no, I want a new state-of-the-art building. This is things dated. Um, You know, no matter how much you reno it, it's still a dated building. And, you know, when you have two teams in there, all of a sudden Ishbia has infinite leverage. He can be like, I have two teams. One of them can't even fit in this building. I want a second building. And he can go to the taxpayers of Phoenix and be like, give me a building. And the taxpayers... You know, okay. <laughs> and they also them. love Ishbia too, but it's yeah. like, and, and look, that would also, and I, I bought, I drank the Kool Aid. I thought Phoenix didn't want the Coyotes. No, what happened was the, the Los Arcos thing didn't go the way that that uh, the that current owner that took over wanted because he wanted Glendale because it was a sweetheart deal and he got Westgate. It, yeah. Phoenix still wanted the team, but it didn't work as a tenant situation for the NHL. Logical, yeah. you want your own building. If 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 HBO buys them, all that goes away because it still it just goes right through the one man. But yep. the their last two Phoenix mayors, was it Stanton, who's now I think is a house rep, said he would do everything in his power to get a new building for the Suns and Coyotes and, and Mercury Routers, whatever. But it's like yep. he even said he wanted that. Kate Gallego said they're willing to have conversations. Ishbia said he's interested if the team was for sale. Ishbia wants a new building. It's that's not a secret. If the D-backs end up building on reserve land, you have that land right there. If not, you have a, an old convention center across the street. You can redevelop, buy that up, mm-hmm. redevelop it. He has all the leverage because, like, hey, yeah, you, you might play the one last year because it would probably be closer to 2030 you'd actually get a building. Play the one yeah. last year at Mullet, gives you time to contract out everything. The Rattlers can go play in Glendale for a year. Mercury can go play, you know, in, in the Madhouse of McDowell that they did before. Right there, they have their one-year solution. You schedule all the construction in the summer. You retrofit. Brand new ice plant that's NHL standard. Boom. Now you just hold on to that until it's time for a brand new building and you have so much leverage. It makes so much sense why Ishbia would want to do this. And also, yep. you're telling me right now, he, he already has all the goodwill with the Suns. You also add on the Coyotes and you're saving this franchise from a never-ending spiral, giving them instant stability. Phoenix already wants the team back. And there's so many avenues and evidence for it. That would be like that is the best case scenario. And yes, 
Morello, right now, with the work they're doing, has the ability to regain my trust. But we're still not there yet, and Ishbia has done nothing but, hey, I'm going to overpay for our assistant coaches so that way we can make sure we have the best coaches. I'm going to get a third superstar because I want the best possible roster. We're doing this and this because I want the best. We're putting our, our team on basic cable. Because yeah. we want more people watching, which also benefits them later on with ad rates, but also more people buying merch, wanting to go to games, more people that wouldn't regularly watch them getting attached to the team. That's a couple extra thousand people going to a game at night when they're maybe not that good. Yep. Yep. <laughs> He's doing it the right way. I definitely can agree with that. Uh, we have been on this topic for 20 minutes, so I need to I need all to right. kick us off. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. I just I, I need to I need to put my foot down because we got we got we got a lot to go through. OK, and I'm trying okay. to speed run this bad boy because this is not going to be a two hour episode. Sorry, friends. I will note in in, uh, you know, since I can I can take a little break here. I will note uh, if you are listening to Desert Moon Hockey podcast and you for some reason came back. I know you're like, what the heck? What are they posting again for? Uh, just to let you know, Matt, if you have, if you don't know anything about him, he is also on the new podcast that he is helping run on Locked On Coyotes with Robin, and she does an excellent job being the uh, other part of that podcast. So make sure to go give them a listen if you have not already. I Highly suspect that anyone who's listening to this probably also listens to Locked On, but uh, make sure to do that if you are not. Uh, anyways, feels so good to have Richie back for a little bit. I, I miss the calming, deep voice. Like this is silky. I can go to sleep with Richie just reading me books. Just read me uh, Shane Doan's stat line every year, and I'll, I'll be in bed, <laughs> be as <his> hell. <laughs> yeah. All right. So where do we want to go next? We want to go to draft and then free agency after that. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll pull back up the draft I actually had. I yes. uh, You broke the free agency stuff to me because Twitter hasn't yeah. been working, and I, I checked oh, it I've, a little bit before I got on, I've and, got, and none of these were on. I've got another guy who uh, was just announced just a few minutes ago as well. We're bringing the Please band back together. We're bringing the band. Well, no, no. I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna let you know now. We're bringing the band back together. Alex Galchenyuk is another coyote. Yes! <laughs> He's got one more year. One more year. One I more year. Love Alex Galchenyuk. Let's go! Oh. <laughs> I'm clipping that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy, dude. I I love Alex Galchenyuk. He's a good, hardworking bottom sixer at this point in his career. The one year he was here, everyone hated on him for some reason. The coach did not like him. You could tell by just the, the vibe was off. You could tell by the shifts he was getting, and he still had 19 goals. He was tied for the most goals that season. He was yep. not the problem. Oh, yep. my goodness. All right. Anyways, now that I've hyped you up, i got to wind you back down. We're going into the drafts. So bring up your draft boards, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going into Coyotes draft territory. Oh, I, cannot, I cannot believe you did that to me. I'm so I I I the only way to make it better is if they would have got Lane Peterson back, but he's going two years to Edmonton. He'll, he'll actually play there. I'm happy for him. I've been a fan of Lane Peterson since he was a roadrunner. Yeah. Lane Peterson. Right, Lane Peterson you, you, has no skating ability. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> sorry. But but he's still a pretty decent passer and he does do everything he needs to as at least as an AHL center. Haven't paid too much attention to him since he left here, but he's at least kept his name around the league. So he's yeah. got to be doing whatever he has to, to keep 
in that role. But let's let's lead off the talk with uh, with Madvey Mitchkov. Before we get into the actual draft picks, okay. they passed on Mitchkov, and Craig also said it in his article. All right, no one's Elliot told Friedman. me anything specific. A Elliot lot of people Friedman. have sent me links and stuff. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, Craig did confirm they spoke with him. The meeting apparently did not go well. And nope. Craig said in the article that Mitch Cobb made it clear he didn't want to be here. Here's the thing. Theoretically, and I was talking with, with Robin on Lockdown about this, I was like, you know what? Best player available, you might as well go for it. If he doesn't want to play for you, you can trade him later. But then she rightfully brought up the downside of, well, if he never comes over, you have no value. And if he says, I will not sign for you, whoever is giving you whatever it is, you have to just take it. So there are so many downsides there. Bill is made very consistent. Look at Cooley and Geeky last year, even Lamaru. What was one thing that they had in common? They were excited to be Coyotes. Simashev yep. and Boot, they were ecstatic to be Coyotes. It's, we're getting to more, but Bill wants you if you want to be a Coyote and you're good. Not And, and obviously over six feet tall, so Bill wouldn't want me on his team. But that's what he wants. He doesn't want people that won't sign here. So we, we need to just address that real quick. It's a yep. good thing, objectively, they did not draft Mitch Cobb. Not because he's a terrible player and he's some, you know, you know, trash bag, whatever. No, he made it clear he didn't want to be here, and that's fair. It's it's a little cocky, but you know what? Sometimes you need a little bit of that. And we end up getting defenseman Dmitry Simashev, and they've changed his spelling twice already, from the I to the Y. So I guess we're going Y now. Uh, he was ranked as, and while a lot of draft, and I, I also have to agree with Petey on this one, he's like, Everyone was talking to him after. Like, don't tell me now how highly ranked you had Simashev. Why didn't you tell me that three days ago or a week ago? But yeah. Simashev was one of the higher-rated defensive prospects in this draft. Shut down defensive defenseman type. Now he did mostly play in the MHL, which is kind of like I think that's the ECHL of Russian hockey, but it might be the no, AHL. But it's a it's minor a, league. It's it's the AHL. Yeah, the MHL is essentially the AHL. So it's a minor league there. He played well. He had some defense. He had some a little bit of depth scoring, a little bit on, on that. I've seen some of his moves offensively. The kid can move the puck. He reminds me a lot of JJ Moser and Zabinik McCulloch. That's the jersey I'm wearing right now, actually. With his yep. defensive positioning, very smart in that tight game. I I need to wait before I can see if it actually translates to North American ice. But he has a good tool set. Was he six two? Big kid, left shot defenseman. I think this is this is a good player. I still have to wait. I'm still. I think now I'm comfortable to say it's a good pick because other teams also it came out pretty immediately had him very high. So it's entirely possible he wouldn't have been there at twelve, or even yep. if he trade back to eight or nine, might not have been there. So the yep. Coyotes took what they wanted, and that's what one of the scouts said. Look, yeah, we could have traded back, but you would have hated to lose this guy. I just I I, I think I'm comfortable saying this is probably a good pick, even though it's off the board. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I when I when it first happened, I was like, "Who is this guy?" And then you go look at the consolidated rankings, and he's like twenty six, and I'm like, "Whoa, this is a massive reach." Um, but ultimately, the reason why he's there is because he's Russian. No scouts, no amateur scouts could go and watch these guys scout. Uh, they all were watching YouTube highlight videos, their three-minute little highlight videos, saying, oh, I see this one bad part in this one bad video. Uh, that means his entire form is just ruined, and or this entire thing is just bad. You know, They're getting all this information off of something from a TV prompt, you know, or a TV broadcast, and 
ultimately did not go and scout this in person, except for the Arizona Coyotes, who... Bill Armstrong was talking about it. it, it he had a smirk the man, like he got away with something. <laughs> the man was giddy. Like, he he had just he had just gotten away with murder. This is, this is uh, the amount of excitement that was on that man's face. Uh, so... We got more information. So if you go to Coyotes Twitter, uh, Arizona Coyotes PR, their Twitter, uh, which I think is ran by Rich Naren, I want to say. I might be wrong about that, but uh, the PR team uh, posted up a video with Plandowski and Jankowski, who are the amateur scouts, uh, head amateur scout and assistant ham- head amateur scout. And uh, they they spilled the beans on, on how they were able to get these viewings because... Uh, Bill Armstrong didn't when, with his initial interview. Uh, somebody asked him, were you able to get viewings? And he said, oh, yeah, we all got to go see him. And that's that's pretty pretty crazy. And the way they did it, I was obviously you can't go into Russia right now um, because of everything that's going on. Uh, but you can go into pseudo-Russia, which is the vassal state known as Belarus, which is connected to Russia, where uh, Minsk is. And I believe the team is Dynamo Minsk, which plays in the KHL. And so they just went to Belarus and watched him as a person that came in and uh, got to view some games of both him and his teammate, uh, which we also picked up at number 12. Uh, we'll talk about yeah, we'll talk they about actually him. have to talk to Simichev's parents too. They, they said that they spoke to his parents and I'm like they really they, they did their homework. Yep. And and I I, just, I I need to give credit where it's due to the scouting staff. They did everything they possibly could. They've been doing a phenomenal job. That's yep. why, again, more time, more information. That's why I'm comfortable saying this is probably a good pick because boy, this kid can play defense. We just need to see him mature a little more. He had no points in 18 games to KHL last year. You need to see if that offensive game can develop a little bit because you need to have some, at least puck moving ability. And then also if it translates to North America. If it does, and, if all that happens, this should be a good pick. And remember, like people are like, oh, 18 points in the KHL. That's terrible. The KHL is the second best league in, in the world. That's the truth. That it, it is also, men no there. secondary assists, right? It's all the Euro leagues only do primary assists. Uh, I think I think that the KHL does secondary assists. I think oh. that just the the uh, I think it's just the Al Scan League and the Semi League, the the two uh, Scandinavian leagues. I think they well, I don't do was, secondaries. Yeah. I, didn't, I thought it was all those Euro leagues, like Liga and all of them, that just didn't do secondary assists. Um, I know that's not true because I know that the D, the DEL does for sure, which is the German league. That's um, where it's Super and Lust were playing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I think the KHL does. I could be wrong. If not, regardless, it's it's not relative to what I'm talking about. The he's playing with men as an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine an, a 17, 18 year old kid. Playing in the NHL as a defenseman, it's tough. It's difficult. That's what he's. That's what he went through last year, and he ended up going back down to the MHL, so essentially the AHL, and he lit him up. He was like a point per game player in the the playoffs. He had twenty minutes a night. He looked ready, and that is what they're banking on. They're banking on this kid to grow, um, in the offensive side of his game because the defensive side he's sound the mm-hmm. speed side as a 6-4 defenseman he's sound poke checking 
body play, the way he sets himself up to defend, sound. He's got all the back end stuff figured out. Now he just needs to figure out the front end stuff. And I'll let you guys in, in a, on a little secret. The back end stuff in the the NHL, all that transitions pretty well when you're going from KHL, the international ice, to the smaller NHL rinks, right? The defensive positioning side, that all translates. The hard part is translating the offensive part because you have less time and space. If he still has to learn that stuff, he can start to grow it and then master it on NHL ice, which is a good thing. You know, don't master it on international ice, master it on NHL ice, which is exactly what they're banking on. And and both him and Boot have a two two years left. They'll be twenty when they come over. And both, uh, well, I know Simashev specifically said he is excited to come here as soon as possible. Neither yeah. will be at development camp, but nope. they both want to be here. And I want to talk about this was a special moment. Like th- this, this made my heart go pitter patter. Yeah, where he's this, he, this he is... called his teammate being being picked, and he was all excited. And and then him and Boot after were ha- hanging out. Like that's the stuff you want to see because yeah. he, and. I, I kind of have to completely agree with Steve Peters again. If Boot, who's what six five, he feels like he's going to be a twin towers line with Lawson Krause. Like yeah. even if you put Jack Payne in the center, that's your third line. That's a phenomenal, big, grinding slash scoring third line. You can't complain about that in any context. That'd be a phenomenal mm-hmm. line. And and Boot, hey, maybe you reach slightly, but if that's going to elevate Simashev that much more, and Simashev is your guy. Dude, in the first round, as long as you're getting an NHLer, and yes, it's disappointing with a second overall pick to get a bottom sixer, right? Like that's that's disappointing. But in the first round, as long as you're hitting and getting a consistent NHLer, you did your job. And then you got you got to hit with your depth picks. They had twelve picks. I double checked. That's the most in, in Coyotes history. I don't, I don't care about the Jets. Most yep. in Coyotes history, and they picked all of them. And it was funny. You know, GMBA is like one room. He's going back and forth. One's trying to trade the picks. One of them's trying to make the picks. This big old chaotic situation, but yep, Boot has really good tools. He has a really good tool set. He also one thing that was highlighted on the Elite Prospects uh, uh, draft preview draft guide. He's excellent when it comes to being able to transition from accepting a pass to making a move to creating a new pass or shot. That with Lawson Kraus or Matthias Michelli or Dylan Gunther, I'm sorry if that can translate. If if he develops fine, that is deadly. That could be a phenomenal, you know, top nine anchor to potential middle six guy, depending on on where he he can go. Yep. Yeah, it is a uh, it is definitely a boomer bust with him. Mm-hmm. I, I I won't deny. You know, the, I think the biggest criticism that I saw was that he has an excellent shot, but it's a big windup. It's a big time. It's easy to read because of how much he he effort he puts into the shot. You can figure that stuff out. I hate to tell you guys, you have to have the power in order to, you know, in order for it to be dangerous. And then all he has to do is learn, oh, okay, I can I can pull in a little bit and change the direction and start practicing and learning that stuff. And all of a sudden, that, that easy-to-read shot has two different options and it becomes even more scary. Mm-hmm. And also a 6'5 kid that can skate well enough like mm-hmm. i didn't hear a single if i don't hear a criticism of, of your skating you're probably at least a fine skater yeah so you're not gonna have to worry too much on developing that meaning you can focus on everything else 
Yeah, like, he could get this he, should be a he definitely could get more explosive, but that's that's every kid. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's looking at the fundamental strides of their skating and making sure that the, the the fundamentals look good. Because if you don't have the fundamentals down by this age, you're probably not going to get them anytime soon. Uh, but if you have the fundamentals down and you're just not nearly as explosive, mm-hmm. you can work that out. That's called that's called weight training. <laughs> that's how you fix that problem. You know, getting, that's called putting some muscle on that boyish yeah. frame to make you a man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you fix that problem. But the the fundamentals of the way you skate are uh, what every scout is looking at. That's how you, you you know whether they are going to be a good skater or not. Because if they have a wonky ass skating style, um, that's probably never going to change. Next up, this one is gonna uh, well not really underrated. A lot of people have been praising this pick. 38th overall, Michael Rabble, who was consistently one of the top two, depending on who you ask, the best, but top two goaltending prospects in this draft. They drafted three. So David Tendek's gone, and Ivan Prozatov has a fire lit underneath him, and Anderson Thornton also has a, a bit of a fire to play even better this year. Rabble is a is a good pick. Like this should yeah. be a phenomenal. What is he? Is he? Is this the six seven one? One yeah, of them was six is, seven. Yeah. So so Rabble is a six seven uh, goalie, and the nice part that I saw a lot of people talking about is that he doesn't have the typical problems that a six seven goaltender has, which is that um, they can be very slippy, slidey. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have big body, when you have big big shin, when you kick ice, ice go, <laughs> you know. Pushes you pretty far. He is pretty pretty sound in keeping his uh, his posture correct. And, um, you know, uh, as the Coyote uh, scouting staff said, he is a athlete, uh, meaning that he is physically fit. And if you know anything about goaltending, holy shit, is that a tough position to play? The most physically demanding. You you want yeah. your at if you only get one athlete on your team it got it's got to be your starting goalie like yeah. if you only get the one athletic type it's got to be your your goal thunder yeah <laughs> then we have three third round picks I don't think we're gonna get too much in on on a few of them but you have a seventieth overall Jonathan Castagna until I I we're gonna go with the whole Lasagna pronunciation because I think it's funny uh, mm-hmm. so nothing personal Jonathan uh, Noel Norm. Tanner Ludke and Vadim Morris. And those are all forwards, two or center, being Ludke and Kostovna. The rest are wingers. Yeah, I, I personally, you know, after this part, it, it, it I just put my hands up and goes, who knows? Because, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't look that deep into the drafts. I only learn a little bit about some of the key players and most importantly, like what we're going to see in the first round. And, um, you know, uh, all I can say is they're all big. These are all big boys. You know, the the thing that does worry me, I I can point this out. The thing that does worry me is that what happens with big boys? They tend to break down quicker than normal players. Um, so that does concern me. But obviously, I will uh, trust in the scouting staff and uh, hopefully know what they're doing because uh, mm-hmm. I think they do. But um, that is the one thing that does kind of worry me is that Big boy breakdown uh, a lot quicker, and uh, I guess if you if you draft enough big boy, you'll have plenty to go around. <laughs> As they're breaking down, you just get the next one behind yeah. them on the on the conveyor line. <laughs> yep. But let, I, I want to talk a little bit about Tanner Ludke. 
because uh, Steve Peters did a great job interviewing him, a little walking and talking. He's from Minnesota, and th- this, I believe this is the one. I'm, I, I do believe this is the, the correct player. Uh, his parents live in Sun City, which yeah. is not that far from where I live, and yeah. he grew up coming here for Christmas holidays, and they went to Coyotes games. He had yeah. a Coyotes jersey. He was at least partially a Coyotes fan. He was talking about it. like You could see a little bit of a light in his face where he's like, he actually excited to be drafted by this team has a little, little bit of a personal connection. I think that is phenomenal. That's a phenomenal get. I think that yeah. honestly is. And also USHL this year, 57 games, 32 goals, 34 assists, 66 points. Yes, it's USHL. It's not the big sexy league or anything, but that's a solid foundation to, to build on right there. And I, I think of these three third round picks, I also like Vadim Morris because his name is very close to Vadim Verbatas, but uh, I think Ludkey is the one to keep the closest eye on of all four of these guys. Just that's what my gut says. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, once again, don't know, don't know much, but definitely a, a good interview and uh, seems to be excited. That is a kind of recurring theme: is that uh, everybody seems really excited to be a Coyote uh, from this draft, um, and that's something that. This organization hasn't had in a long time. You know, I, I still remember, you know, even Barrett Hayden's draft. Like, he looked kind of like, yay, I'm on the Coyotes. Like, you know, and it's obviously Barrett Hayden might be just a more reserved person. You know, I don't know truly how he was feeling at the time, but it, it's interesting. Because, like, when we see the two Russians go, they le- le- legit looked so excited, you uh-huh. know? The uh, Shimashev, when he got picked at six, he, he put his hands over his mouth. He was smiling. He was super happy. And um, clearly, I think it's because he knew that the Coyotes invested a lot of time into him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you, if the Coyotes are calling your parents, he they might have been the only team that was calling your parents uh, just because some other teams weren't touching Russians with a 10-foot pole right now. If, if the Coyotes are investing their time into potentially going to look games at you. I don't know if he knew that or not. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to that. And that, that, that does make a player feel good. You know, it's like, Hey, these guys are interested in me and they pick you, you know, you're, you're ecstatic. And then all of a sudden they pick your, your good buddy who you can speak Russian with when you're over here in the United States, still learning the language mm-hmm. makes you feel good. Makes you feel real good. Yeah. And that is literally how he lit up. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. Ludke was also, just to kind of briefly mention this, uh, he also knew the Coyotes were interested, so every single third-round pick, he was kind of like, you know, get, kind of getting ready for his name to be called. Yeah. But, but Simashev, the way he lit up, how excited he was, how excited Boot was when he got picked, like, oh my god, that's my teammate! It's like, I, I think that that is, is really cool, and that's, of their last, you know, couple of drafts, that's Cooley, Geeky, Lamaru was pretty excited, Simashev, mm-hmm. Boot. That's five consecutive draft picks that were either happy to be here visibly or ecstatic yep. to wear that that Kachino or that look. I I still hate the word mark, but the jersey color itself, a really good looking dark, you know, brick red kind of maroon jersey. Mm-hmm. I still love the color. I, I'll still give them full credit for the color. So yep. it's like they were excited, and that's that's what I want. All right, Blake, Blake Wheeler is a phenomenal player. He is one of two players the Coyotes have ever drafted to play a thousand games. It's him and Keith Yandel. He never played a single game here. Peter Mueller. I was really high on the guy. I'm never going to not be high on Peter Mueller. He capped off around like 300 games and most of those, I don't even think most of that was here. I think like 200 of that was here. If that. Yep. 
it's we've had guys that didn't want to be here. They were iffy on being here. Uh, never really hit their potential. Guys like Duclair and Domi that really only had that potential hit like once in the years they were here. We've had so much wishy-washy. Yeah, this guy should be good. Oh, he might be good. We have consecutive draft picks that look good, especially Logan Cooley, phenomenal hockey player, and that wanted to wear the Kachina. Yep. You can't yeah. buy that. Just, yep. You can't. I'm sorry. You can't buy that. And that that warms my heart a little bit because and that's that's how you change the culture. Yep. And ultimately, you know, people might look at this draft and say, okay, well, they didn't get the best skill available. You're right. Technically, they didn't, right? They didn't get the best mm-hmm. skill available. But you know what they did? They got role players. They got a lot of role players. Role players that want to fight and bleed for this team, like what Bill Armstrong said. And that's what you need. If you're going into the Stanley Cup playoffs, you want those players that aren't just going to keel over like we saw when we played the Avalanche. No offense, but that team was a big fake it till you make it team. And when they went up against a team that was bigger and physical, they rolled over and died. If it wasn't for Darcy Kemper, who played like a madman, that team would have gotten swept. And ultimately, that's just the truth. And now... The Coyotes have a lot of skill. I don't think people recognize that. We have Michelli. We have Lawson Krause. We have Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Barrett Hayden, and soon to come, Dylan Gunther. Uh, You also have Logan Cooley. Like, they already have a lot of young, good skill that is going to be in the lineup for the next decade. Okay? Uh They need those guys that want to fight and bleed and do anything it takes to be in the NHL and win in the NHL, and that's what they drafted this year. They drafted every single one of those guys were role players that will fight and bleed for the team. And, you know, could you have gotten better pick that will last longer in NHL? Yes, probably. Um, but did you achieve what your your team is, what they've set in what they the, what they're trying to do? I think so. I think they did exactly what they they came into this draft looking for, and they, you know, they they walked away with exactly what they were looking for. I mean, just look at this. They, I, I think it was a head scout. I love this quote. Now, next year, we can just focus on best player available because yep. now, a goaltender. They had three new goaltenders. If you and again, Steve Peters, former goalie, said it great. If you hit on one of those guys, great. You hit on two or three of them, you have assets. Right there, you just log jammed your goaltending prospects. You don't have to worry about restocking that. Defense, they got three more defenders. Yes, you just helped to log jam that a little bit. Now you have more in the pipeline. You helped restock a few more of the centers, a couple more wingers, just to add more depth. They've done everything they needed to to log jam every position to where they no longer have a need. There is no more, this team needs this. It's what's the best that's here. Yep. And how can we fit them on our roster? Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. They own this um, draft 12 picks. I cannot believe they picked all of them. That yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And I'm curious to know if they're going to, uh, if they're going to end up moving uh, some assets in next year's draft, because they still have three second round picks next year. That is crazy to think about three second round picks. So I, 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 
I, I'm so excited to just think about hockey right now because so many of these kids are going to be there tomorrow and the rest of the week for the development camp. I'm, just, I'm so excited to actually just like get back and adjust. We, we're we want to see where these kids go. We want to see how these kids look, and and uh, th- this is going to be great. I, I just yep. I, I I love this draft because none of these guys are going to be. Simishev might be. Boot could be. I don't see anyone else being like. Uh, maybe not even Boot. Or Simashev being a star player. I don't see a Madve Michkov elite star player, but I do see some damn good talent. And you got to fill out the rest of your roster. And now, look, if you're in a position to where, let's say, Michelli wants too much or doesn't want to be here anymore, you can come to move on from Michelli and get more assets back because you have Gunther in the wings. You got Cooley getting ready to come up. Geeky's probably a year and a half away. You got yep. donors still in the pipeline, probably a year away from I'm sniffing the NHL. Hopefully he gets a game this year, just just in case, you know, knock on wood, in case something bad happens, you know, yep. get donor a game or two. But you you have so many Carconi's coming up to get a, a, a probably a full time spot in the in the middle to bottom six. Yep. You got enough to where you can get a damn good return from Michelli. You can. Mm-hmm. You could get a really good return depending on. And I do not want Michelli gone. I got a Michelli jersey hanging up outside this office. All right. I yeah. don't want him gone. I got my I'm coveted, just saying if it happened. I, I got my coveted AHL signed photo of Matthias Michelli. That uh, I was so jealous of that dude. I was so, <laughs> I was so mad at him, but I, I didn't I didn't I don't know if you could tell. I wanted to make sure you didn't know while, while we were still at the draft party. I wanted to leave before I was I, I showed that I was bad. I was so jealous of that. <laughs> If, if any of you don't know, uh, at the draft party last year, you could spin a wheel for free stuff, and I got a spin the wheel for an AHL player a signed photo, and they're like, what, what player do you want? I'm like, <laughs> Matias Magelli. <laughs> well, actually, you know, it's funny is, uh, so I spun and my wife spun, and my wife is the one who ended up getting the photo, and she looks at me, she's like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, Matias Magelli, Matias Magelli, Matias Magelli. I'm like... <laughs> The same with T.S. Michelli. I will take that. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, next pick. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know how far you want to go with all these picks, but I I, I say we well, can brush over. Off, yeah, I I do want to note one one important one, which is the next one, which is uh, Vadim Mora Morozov Mor Morozov Moraz Moraz. I'm sorry, my friend. I don't know how to say your name. It's okay. You won't be able to say my last name either. So we can we can live in in infamy. Uh, but he is an overager. He's 19 years old, so he's he's in draft plus one. Um, Kai's ended up spending a third round pick on him. Interestingly enough, he played for Dynamo Minsk in the KHL. Uh, they were in Minsk watching a bunch of Russian players. Uh, seems like an oddly uh, specific draft pick, if you would say. Uh, does he have any more time on his contract in the K? Like, is he one of the guys that can come over sooner, or has he still got a year in the he, K? He probably has one more year. So uh, he's already. I'm looking at his stuff right now. He's played for. Um, he's played for. Oh, actually, no. He might, he might have two years because he's got. Um, last year he played for Belarus, but it doesn't say MHL or KHL, so it must have been like a a developmental league in, in Belarus. And then he played oh. for Dynamo Minsk this year, uh, putting up 14 points, five goals, nine assists in 39 games played. Uh, he also went down to the MHL. So the AHL equivalent, uh, where he put up eight points in 10 games as well. So the Coyotes must have scouted him while they were in, uh, Belarus. So that makes sense of why he, uh, 
you know, an overager made it into the third round for the Coyotes. Remember the last overager the Coyotes got with a second or third round pick? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Who, oh, yeah. Who is, who is that guy JJ again? J.J. Moser. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, a little, just a little unknown. Just, yeah. J.J. Moser. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just a little... Uh, what is he? Is he? He's he's uh um, what? Oh my goodness! I'm drawing a blank. Switz, Switzerland, right? He's a. Sw- what? I'm pretty sure. Where? Yanis Jerome Moser. He is. Yep, he's Swiss. Swiss. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking. I I was trying my best not to say Swede because I knew it wasn't Swede. I'm like Swiss. Swiss oh, they'd Swiss. get so mad at you if you said that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he's a uh, an overager Swiss. So. We'll see what goes on with a an overager. Uh, Kaiju seem to have some good luck with the overagers. Uh, next up is going to be uh, Terrell Goldsmith. Uh, I think from what I was seeing, this guy plays like a D-bag. This guy <laughs> is just straight piss and vinegar asshole. And like, am, like Kevin Kanan on steroids or closer to Chris Pronger without the offense? Probably closer to Chris Pronger without the offense. Somebody who is going to absolutely beat the living tar out of other people on the ice. That's I I love to hear that because I'm like, look, uh, we'll see. It's good to have another Goldie. You know, yep. we lost Goldstreet a few years ago for the D-backs. Now we got another Goldie in, in Arizona. Yep, that's true. <laughs> that is very true. Next up, yeah, fifth in, round. Oh, in, in, I, I just want to note this. So in the WHL, in 58 games played, he only has nine points. <laughs> so no points, but he has 102 penalty minutes. <laughs> Sounds like a D-bag. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sounds like a D-bag. Uh, I guess we'll speed run the next ones. Fifth round, 134th overall goaltender, Melker Thieland. Yep. I forget which goalie it was. I think it was him. I want to double check. I saw a graphic. Uh, yep, eight fifty-seven state percentage, four fifty-six goals against, and I was like, ah, that looks like a goal, a Coyotes goalie stat line. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, if my memory serves me, this kid is uh, either Slovakian or he's he's Czech. He's one or the other. Um, sorry, those two countries used to be the same country, so don't judge me. Um, the yeah, definitely, definitely seems like whoever's the scout over there who's who's scouting all the the I think it's Czech all the Czech players. Um, I think this is probably his pick. I think this is a guy who whoever whoever found Karel Vamelka probably looked at this kid and said we can do something with him and probably picked him up. Hey, you know what? As long as you have enough goalies that want that spot. You can light a fire under Ivan and Anson Thornton and whoever else and just keep the log jam going. And look, I think that's that's how you do it. Yep. Second, fifth rounder, Justin Kipke, defender from the WHL. 160th overall. It's a lot of picks. It's a lot of players going. No no clue. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sixth round, 162nd overall. So two picks later, Samu Bao, uh, center from the Liga. Uh, I can't read any of these team names. I do apologize. Seem to produce okay enough as like a bottom six type is what what I'm getting the vibes of. Yeah, it definitely seemed like that to me as well. That's uh, also an overager at 19 years of age. 
six five. Yep. Um, yeah, pretty much just more, more, more meat for the lines. So we need that's meat. Were, that's what they were <laughs> drafting. They went for all the meat. Um, yeah. And then four picks later, so they literally had what three of six or three of seven picks in a row. Yep. Carson Musser, goaltender from the U.S. National Development Team. Oh, let's just take a peek at his stats real quick, so we have a little point of reference. Uh, 4-4-2 goals against, 8-6-2 save percentage. Sounds like a coyote. He said, sounds like a coyote to me. Yep. <laughs> I, I I don't mean this in like a in like a putting you down way or anything. Like we're we're just trying to have a little bit of fun here. So in case any of y'all any of these picks do watch this. Welcome to the desert. We are just trying to have some fun. We also have no clue uh, anything about you. Sorry. I will say, <laughs> so this is, this is probably why they ended up drafting him, drafting him in the USA uh, U18s, uh, World Juniors. Uh, in two games, he had a 947 and a .75 goals against in those two games. So... Had a so this good is a, stat line. This is a pick. This is a draft pick they got off the back of a world junior. That's what I would guess, unless they were playing like nobody teams. But at the same time, they're still shots. They're still against the same competition, the same age group of competition. Uh, that's what I would guess uh, is where um, is where their decision making came in to uh, make this pick. Do you think Alex Galchenyuk kept his house again? Yeah, remember, when he came the last time, he said he'd he? Yeah, why wouldn't he? Yeah, it's a great investment. He's probably made <laughs> money off of that. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I always knew I was I was born to play here. Yeah, I, I decided I, I I didn't sell my house, and now I'm back. And yeah. that was the last time he came back in free agency. <laughs> yep. Dude, I, right. I, I, we're doing the free agents now. Okay, I, I'm giddy. Yep. We gotta get. We gotta. We gotta get this. We gotta, we gotta get down the stretch. I'm giddy. Yeah. I'm excited. I cannot believe we actually got. Oh, we also got Matt Vallada, goaltender, no yep. one year contract. Yeah, I was about to say that next as well. I didn't want to keep derailing us. Jason Zucker. You signed Cam Crotty. Fine. Uh, Jason Zucker is interesting because Zucker is it Zucker or Zucker. I always thought it was Zucker. Zucker, I think. Zucker is a guy that he's his career has kind of gone off the rails a little bit since leaving Minnesota. But I think last year was a year he had, was it 20-some-odd goals? Like, last year was a really big comeback year. This is mm-hmm. a good investment on a one-year contract because if he can re- replicate that and they're still outside of the playoffs. See, I think PD also said this about, like, uh, potential players coming in. Hey, we can cut, you, cut your cap in half and send you to a team that's going to be a playoff team. So all you got to do is worry about coming in here and playing hockey. And that's yep. it. Yep. Yeah, and, and, you know, some people will argue, like, oh, that's a uh... – that's that's a uh, bad oh that's a bad contract five million dollars that's a lot of money uh, there's no such thing as a bad contract that is one year sorry nope. that's just the truth no. guess what happens even at the ten trade million deadline? for the one year <laughs> yeah guess guess what happens first of all the Coyotes need to get to the cap floor uh, mm-hmm. secondly what happens when the trade deadline comes around let's say Zucker has played a good game in in Arizona and they want to trade him to a uh, contender uh, here's the fifty percent retainment slot. Uh, now you can have Zucker at two point five million. Have fun. We'll take a second and third round pick. We'll take a, a two seconds. We'll take whatever he he amounts to. If he's on pace for another like twenty some odd goal season, 
<clears throat> Look, uh, Tampa Bay ruined the market by making bottom sixers worth the first round. You could, you could probably squeeze a first rounder out of there, but it would probably be a late first rounder, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I will note, sad news. Looks like Boko, Bokonji Ayamama is no longer part of the Coyotes organization. He's already signed. An Ottawa senator. Ew. Uh, has yeah. Shane Goss's fair signed yet? Uh, I don't know. I have no clue. I haven't been well, looking at other. We got Stetcher and Bukestad back. I would love to get him back on a year. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't looked at uh, really any other teams besides from the Maple Laughs signing Ryan Reeves for three years. <laughs> have fun with that. I, hey, how about this? How about this? Next year, when um, you know when Matthews doesn't sign with you guys, you can send Ryan Reeves and his and Matthews signing rights to the Coyotes. We'll take him off your hands for you. How about that? All I know is that if I was Austin Matthews, this is what I would be doing. Hey, yeah, uh, of course I'll, I'll take a little bit less to stay here. I want to be here, all right? Go ahead and fill out the rest of the roster. Use all the cap you can, and I'll sign for the remainder. Make them make, them make the mistake of spending too much. Oh, man, you can't afford me. I'd be losing a lot of money. I guess yep. I'll just go to Arizona, or they're yep. going to give me $15 million a year because they have the cap space, and they definitely will sell enough AM34 jerseys. I yep. guess we'll just have to do that. <laughs> yep. And also think about it like this. Uh, if he, if he lets the contract thing kind of keep going, I uh, keep sputtering. That just gives the Coyotes more time to get this arena done. So that way, like before he's like, yeah, I'm not resigning. It's like, Hey, do you want to maintain this playoff run to try to convince him otherwise, or just send him on his way? Yep. <laughs> Please keep trolling them. I would love it. if you... Austin, I have a stupid ASU Jersey for, from you. Please just, let the let me have my fun right now. Matt and I are very invested into the future of Austin Matthews as well. If you don't don't remember, uh, Matt and I made an agreement that oh if God, Matthews I... comes to the desert, that he owes me one jersey of my choice, and that if he resigns or goes somewhere else, I owe Matt a jersey of his choice. The only stipulation we made was no specialty like wild jerseys that are like you know. Ex- Stupid expensive. Yeah, it's got like a current, you know, available jersey or like yeah. it could be an older jersey if it's cheaper kind of a thing. But like yeah. and that was just for the twenty twenty four UFA, right? That was just yep. for that yep. one decision. Yep. Or the trade I... deadline before, technically. Like so this this trade deadline. Like that's that's the range. Yep. Anyway, let's go over the rest of the signings. I, I'm I, I cannot describe how happy I am about Galchenyuk, but we'll go ahead and we'll start off with Zucker. I think <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. The year is no such thing as a bad one one year contract. Whenever I need to fill up some cap space, I sign Bodker to a one year, ten million dollar contract at NHL twenty three because it'll be off the books as soon as the season ends. Yep. <laughs> Bukestad uh, comes back for two years. Yep. Boogie Boogie back in the desert. I love this. Um, I hope he sticks around for that one year. And if we end up trading him next off or next trade deadline, that's fine with me. Um. I think he's a guy who really showed that he can help develop these kids into playing the right way, doing the right things, acting the right way. And that's somebody who they need. They need leaders as well. They can't just put in, um, you know, 24 kids and call it good. You you got to mm-hmm. have you got to have um, some some veterans, some leaders that can help guide you. 
I actually, because, look, by by the second year, the Coyotes should be pushing for a playoff spot. That does not mean they make the playoffs in that second year, all right? that that The last contractual year at Mullet, that does not mean playoff berth. But this year should be a lot more competitive. Uh, remember how they had a playoff spot, surprisingly, for like two days this year? They should have a playoff spot for like a week, maybe. Like, Well, they should yeah. be in the hunt for a lot longer. Probably don't make it this year. I would not expect playoffs this year. That next year... That should be the the we're going for the playoffs now. That should be whether they make it or not. That should be the goal, and yeah. the goal internally probably this year is playoffs because this Andre Turnier is a madman. I want I actually surprisingly want Bukes out here both years. Now if it doesn't work out like the playoff hunt, sure you know at the next deadline trade him for like I I don't know I he he came back despite I guarantee he could have got a, a role on another team if he wanted to and he signed a two year deal. I like him. I, that that he he can play top six on this roster. I would hope this year he's stapled to the middle to bottom six. But but if we can get another top six Nick Bukestad season, I can't complain. We got a, yeah. a, a, a first line center Travis Boyd season under our belts. Yeah, it makes me wonder how much time is left for Travis Boyd on this team. Fourth line center, he'll be fine. I I think this let him play. What he has one more year left. This is the last year. Yeah. On the contract. Look, I, I like Boyd. Make sure he's in the bottom six, though. And if a, if a kid outplays him, give that roster spot up. If a kid doesn't, he keeps the roster spot. That's yep. kind of my view. Yep. All right. Welcome back to the pack, Alex Galchenyuk. I, I'm giddy about this one. I'm so excited. I, I, Gal- I, I, I love Galchenyuk. Uh, I love it. This is the third time. The Coyotes are. Look. NHL players are showing us the Coyotes are a drug nobody can escape. We can't leave. The the national media can't stop talking about us. Other fan bases of much better organizations can't get us out of our head out of their heads rent free. The players can't leave for that yep. long. They gotta come back. Yep. Once <laughs> they get the once they get the taste of the good life of you know not being under the microscope of the Toronto Maple Leafs and you get to you know not live in the snow while you're playing and go wear flip flops to the you know, practice every day. Uh, that, 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 that's a pretty nice, uh, it's a pretty nice beneficiary and also living in, you know, a nice, clean, modern, fairly modern, newer city, uh, definitely helps as well. I think he just stole Tanner Ludke. It's a quote where he's like, yeah, like Peter's like, Oh yeah. Are you, you excited to wear flip flops and a polo to practice? Yep. <laughs> yep. Hey, that's Pretty a benefit. Amazing. Arizona is one of the few places that can provide. It's like Arizona. You saw Manny Kachuk chilling out in Florida, Tampa Bay, L.A., yep. uh, Anaheim, technically. But it's like, yep. I, it's Vegas. It, it's it's a big draw. Next up, back. Troy Stetcher on another one-year contract. They got the mullet back. Yep, they, they brought, brought him back. back. Does they... that mean we won that trade since we still get to keep one of the players? Yeah, pretty much. I think so. I think that's how that works. That's crazy, though. Like, this is because now you don't have to rush. Again, you don't have to rush your kids, but, you know, you have someone that's a vet that can help guide him along. And if Josh Brown is not what you want, Josh Brown's your seventh defenseman. Victor Soderstrom is playing. Whoever else you you want is playing is playing. Yep. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. You know, we we made this. I think we we made this argument back at the trade deadline that, you know, Boogie and, and Stetch could come back uh and potentially on free agency and they absolutely have that both have re-upped as an arizona coyote you know 
it's funny. We, we talk about the, the bad arena situation, the lackluster um, to not having a, an NHL ready arena. Uh, it clearly doesn't deter people from coming back and wanting to be an Arizona coyote because of how special it is to be an Arizona coyote. The, all the added benefits that you have, of being an Arizona Coyote in comparison. This team here, you're playing in front of 300 people. Just move them. Move Just, <laughs> you're getting, no, you're getting noise gated super hard right now. Your screams are not coming through. I you're, apologize. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just move them, LOL. But also, I want to flee my Canadian home every winter and come to Arizona because it's too cold. Okay, LOL. Well, anyway. One last contract right now, unless you got a breaking news for us. We have a uh, goaltender, Matt Velada, with two-way contract, one-year two-way contract. He's probably going to play in the a- AHL. This is, look, 108 career AHL games, 901 save percentage, 304 goals against. This is going to be great for Ivan because now you have a, a con- like, nothing against John Gillies. I, I have nothing negative to say about John Gillies. I just don't really have anything in general to say about him. I think Velada is probably a much better goalie to have lighting a fire underneath Prozy because if yeah. Prozy has an off night, you can put Velada in and you're probably going to win. Yep. Yeah, I think so. And it definitely is going to tell Prozvatov, hey, you got three guys that are in juniors right now that can take your position. You got one guy that we just signed that can potentially take your position you need to do a better job because he did. He he failed. He failed his job. Uh, if we're going to be honest, he had some nights in the NHL where he looked great, some nights in the NHL where he looked awful. But when he was ultimately sent back down to the AHL to get his job done uh, in the playoffs, he blew it. He blew it pretty hard. So that that third game, I think it was, because they only it was a best of three. Yep, best of three, and I I thought they would get swept. I didn't think they had a, a, a chance in hell. And look, they played really well game two. Yeah. Game one and three were just one-sided affairs. Yeah, game three, like, they were out of the game before it even started, and that was because of Prospetov. So he's got to do a better job um, and, you know, actually mature as a player and be consistent because that is his biggest problem right now is that he cannot stay consistent. Yeah, and look, I'm still high on Prozy. I got the privilege to very briefly get to talk to him kind of in passing uh, due, due to me having a nice job. Uh, but, you know, I told him, hey, I hope you get more games and I hope you run with it. Those first three games were phenomenal. He was lights out. Then the, the wheels fell off. And I think that while he did show NHL upside, he also showed a lot of downside. And I think this year, you know, they kept his rights. He'll probably re-sign for at least one more year. It's 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 make it or break it because if if yep. he doesn't make that NHL push this year to force them to trade Karel Vamelka and be the one B behind Ingram, if he mm. does not force that, he's gone and he's going to have to try to look elsewhere to for NHL opportunity. Yep. Uh, and I'll I'll say to finish this off before we go, uh, noted. Coyote superstar Blake Wheeler resigned in, or sorry, didn't resign. He signed in New York uh, through mm-hmm. the Rangers. Yep, that's wild. I I thought it would have been funny if the Coyotes would have traded for him as like a, a cap dump. Yeah, <laughs> so, like then he would have had to been forced 
to come play where it all started. That would it wasn't realistic, but I I would have thought it would have been funny. Yep. But hey, there you go. All right. Well, is there anything else to uh, anything else that we we need to to talk about? I think that's pretty much all the news, right? Yeah, that was a crazy offseason. I mean, hell. That that was a lot of fun. Everyone bully Richie in the comments and say we got to do an episode every three months. Just, <laughs> just bully him in the comments. Where's my where's my uh, quarterly episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, it was a lot of fun. Honestly, I'm really glad that you you reached back out. I forgot that we said we were going to do this. I'm like, ah, oh, Desert Moon's dead, and then Richie's like, hey, you ready to record? I'm like, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, so we we got our we got our final episode in. LOL. Not I I don't know. I I'll I'll say this. I don't know if we will end up doing quarterlies or if it'll just be capped off here for now. Uh, obviously, it's whenever my, my time permits. So uh, that's ultimately what it comes down to. But uh, I I guaranteed that we were going to do something after the draft, and sure as heck I'm going to deliver and to do something after the draft, especially with all the wild news that happened within that four month period. God, that was a roller coaster. Yep. God. Anyway, anyway, look, we 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 free fell through the second half of the season. The only one place to go now is up. So let's let's go back up. Yep. Yep. That's the the roller coaster of the Arizona Coyotes. And so it's like right. being a fan. Look, no, none of these fans that complain because, oh, no, my team can't get past the first round. Ooh, woo. None of them would be able to survive being a Coyotes fan because you have like 31 other fan bases screaming for the NHL to give up on this. And they're not even a fan of this team. They're like, oh, my God, just give up. <laughs> like yep. they would have been alcoholics out the door after like a year of this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I always re- I always recite back to the. uh what is his name? Is it DeFranco? The the noose around the neck meme? First time <laughs> question mark? Like, yep. <laughs> That's an Arizona Coyotes fan right there. First time? <laughs> oh, this is this is so terrible that you're never going to go watch them again? First time? Like, <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> yep. I, just, I, I love it. Anyway, uh, this was great. I had a lot of fun. Make sure to harass Richie in the comments. His address is 13... 13- I'm kidding. I hope your address actually doesn't have one or three in it. <laughs> oh, they both do. Uh oh. Never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> Just kidding. It doesn't. Um. Yeah. It was. It's been fun. I uh. I enjoy doing these when I have the time. So. Uh, it's been great, and I will say, cap this off with: make sure once again go give Matt a listen to on Locked On Coyotes. He is doing uh, much more consistent work over there with Robin. Uh, and yeah, uh, also subscribe to his YouTube channel because he does YouTube stuff too. So uh, that's you finally got my monetization today, baby. Heck yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, AZ Sports Guy on YouTube as well. Anyways, this has been uh, another episode of the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast, episode 50. We get to cap it off at a nice, beautiful, big 5 And, uh, Yeah, thank you so much for watching and listening. Bye.